is what brings <laughs> us together today. Love. True love. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to Less Lonely, More Loved, a podcast of, from the Young Adult Ministries here at St. Mark and Methodist Church of Atlanta, where we are ordinary people exploring our queries of faith. And we have rolled into the last week of Advent, which is themed love. Oh. And appropriate to our theme, I'm very excited to have my colleague and my friend, Matthew and Jesse Browning. Hello. And Jesse and Matthew are engaged... And it just felt very appropriate to have the two of you here to talk about love. I'm very excited. Yeah. (laughs) I'm super excited to be here. I was just saying, I've always wanted to do a podcast. That's like on my bucket list because I listen to so many. Right. There's so many good ones. And every time we listen, we're always pausing it and like talking back at the podcast. (laughs) Like like we want to be in the conversation. So (laughs) this is really exciting. I I have literally been listening to a podcast before and been hearing an opinion. Somebody says that I have an opinion on and and been shaking my head alone in my car. Be like, no. Well, no, but what you have to understand, like I I want to like counteract them. You want to interject and be like, excuse me, podcasting people. Right. Through the ether. (laughs) Yes. Sort of like in the matrix. Let me like get back into the hardwire and reverse tell you how you were wrong. Exactly. It makes sense why they're like, I feel like back in the day of radio shows, people had the audacity to call in and things like that. I understand that impulse now. I feel like, I feel like if like someone really wanted to rogue podcast, you would just like not let people have access to where they could contact you. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Because then I feel like it could be very interesting to sort of pirate podcast in a way because then you literally have no response from the people. So you can literally just say what you want. That's yeah. sort of the beauty of podcasting. That's like when, but that's like when people turn off their comments on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. Right? It's like if there's like a celebrity that's like going through it in the public eye, they just turn off their comments. Right. Oh, but see, I'm really it's shady. Like, and whenever I see that, I like especially like on TikTok, when somebody's turned off the comments, I'm like, what happened here? Like, right. What, what chaos oh, yeah. was I not subject to? Right. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like when comments are turned off or comments are limited. Mm, that's a really good one. I want to know people's thoughts, but I understand also being the person who's talking and then, you know, you're trying to provide the world with some form of information or whatever. And then they're all just like, (laughs) it's also, I think, very easy if you were like a celebrity or in the public eye in some way, it's very easy for people to gaslight you. And so like, I understand the like wanting the comments to be off, but I still do want the tea. Like, oh yeah. I then want like a follow up, like bestie. What happened? <laughs> What's going can, on? Can I say, I'm curious if y'all have found a similar thing. I used to be this person who was very like, I don't like drama. I don't want to be involved in drama. Like that was like, my, I really hung my hat on that in like high school. Right. And then I got older and realized like, I don't like going through hard things, but I do like drama. Like, I think we've talked about this before where like, I want to hear about people's random, like the people who work at, I don't know. AOL. AOL is not a thing anymore, but whatever. Like, whatever company you work for, I want to hear, like, who's feuding over the copier, who, like, didn't, you know, pick up their whatever. Like, I love hearing that stuff. Well, there's an entire, (laughs) there's a Reddit page that is devoted to that. Yes. Of just asking people, like, this was my situation. Am I in the wrong here? Right. And then there's, like, an entire podcast, speaking of podcasts, also devoted to that. And people literally just send in their problems and they're like... Am I wrong? Like, I'm trying to be as objective as possible here. Tell me if I'm wrong. Right, yeah. but also my fifis are involved. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah exactly. 
I, yeah, I'm the same. Uh, Megan and I talked on an earlier version of the podcast about how I'm an Enneagram 9 and therefore am like the peacekeeper. And I um, I don't want anyone oh, to be mad nine. at me. Right. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. Um, <laughs> but I also have like a lot of thoughts and opinions. And I am not a quiet person, which just like they don't, they don't always go together. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. I have to eat my words and or go through hard things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like being a two. Like, I'm a two. Mm. But I have a wing one. Yeah. So I have the impulse to have things in their place. I have a very strong opinion. Right. About how things should go. Right. But then my two is the dominant part that's like, don't ruffle feathers, which right. I can't wait to talk mm. about in relation to... The holidays. Yes. Also, oh, just yeah. for the people at home who don't know Enneagram, do you want to give like a brief like what is like, what is the, a nine and a two? Right. So the Enneagram is a personality wheel that uh, was popularized, I believe, sort of in Christian circles by Richard Rohr, who wrote on the Enneagram. But the Enneagram actually has a lot of roots in Sufi mysticism and um, ancient Near Eastern religion. Um, but it has to do with uh, the nine archetypes. Nine being a holy and sacred number for uh, Buddhist, and also, um, I believe, also in Hinduism. Nine is a, a holy number. Um, and the nine personality archetypes are the Enneagram. And so everyone sort of falls into a personality archetype. People might want to, I would say falsely so, put it into the same category with like a Myers-Briggs exam Mm -hmm. or with like the what animal are you or what color are you or like any number of BuzzFeed quizzes. But the Enneagram is more about, it's less about personality and more about your basic wound and your highest truth. That would be, I think, Mm. the best way to say it. And like how that wound led you to what your truth is. Like, right? Like, because of, wounds as a well we all carry right you know initial wounds that kind of form us into who we are then you take that and you internalize it and it becomes part of your core and how you respond to the world right yeah yeah well and also i'm gonna be honest i've done a lot of reading about enneagram stuff because i use it a lot for writing and, and stuff in particular but i did not know any of that, the sort of religious, spiritual basis of it. Cool. I knew it had some kind of Christian link or like, I think, were there Jesuits involved early on, I think, something like that? Probably. I, I, we'll fact check this later or something. Um, but yeah, I did not know that link also with like the Eastern religion stuff. I just, that's that's super interesting. So there's there's also like a, hold on, I actually like did a presentation on the Enneagram. Oh, that's so cool. Ooh, I know, so I was like, where are you getting slides? my <laughs> slides. So... She came prepared. I did. Well, sort of. I came with my computer. Prepared? (laughs) Are we ever prepared? (laughs) Yeah, questionable. Um, But I like to talk about, like, the the idea that, like, the Enneagram is then split into three centers. Mm -hmm. So you have three numbers that exist in the head center, three numbers that exist in the heart center, and three numbers that exist in the body center or in the gut center. Uh, And so you have types... Two, three, and four are heart center. So that makes perfect sense that you're a two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five, six, and seven are in the mind. And then eight, nine, and one are gut. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that also has to do with where our primary center of emoting comes from. So for twos, threes, and fours, a prominent phrasing perhaps for a two, three, or four would be I feel. 
Ooh, and I'm I'm a three wing four as well. So there you go. We're both we are both living like in that feelings. Living in those feelings, I feel. Um, for a five, six, or a seven, it could be I think. Hmm. And eights, nines, and ten, eights, nines, and ones then have a really hard time because you really have to get sort of into the body to understand where yeah. the feelings live. So. For me personally, I'm a nine wing one, so I'm like very squarely, like very solidly in the body or the gut center. Um, And so I, uh, when I started getting into the Enneagram and started sort of understanding the Enneagram, also drove me to start practicing yoga. And now I teach yoga, so it's like very You teach yoga? I do, I teach yoga. Oh my gosh, I want to take Let's get to it, like, yeah. anytime. Maybe not, like, right now, but... Not right now, well. yeah. We'll, we'll, do, we'll practice while we while we preach. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I think I said basic wound and, like, highest truth. Another way to talk about that would be basic fear and basic motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. for the two, which is the helper, which is what you are, Jesse, like, that would be basic fear is being unwanted or unloved. Mm-hmm. And basic motivation is feeling loved. So, like, yeah. out of those things, that sort of core instinct to be loved or to not be not loved yeah is that enough negatives um, <laughs> like, not be not unloved no, right love right love. exactly fun topic um, for this week. so what's a nine so the nine is the peacemaker and the peacemaker's basic fear is of loss or separation and the like highest truth of the nine or the basic motivation is inner stability or like i want status quo yeah i want mm. Consistency. Sort of consistency. Yeah. Love a ritual. Yoga. Love a routine. Mm-hmm. So every um like every Enneagram person has a like a I don't like to call it a digression, but it's a mm. stress response. Yes. And then we also have like a when we are like living and into like our highest truth and our highest values, we also integrate right. into like out of the most unhealthy versions of our number and into the most healthy versions of another number. And so for a three, like yourself, Matthew, mm-hmm. you would um, you would stress into the nine. Mm-hmm. So you sort of like fall apart into wanting to make people happy. Oh, you totally do. Oh, I go into my little cocoon. I make, I, I truly, I regress. I like, I, I, I go on Nintendo benches. I feel like when I'm really like, it's <laughs> always do. like a cozy little, you know, Stardew Valley Animal Crossing or something. And I like put my blankets in my cocoa and just, I mean, but you away also from the world. get like diligently peacekeepery like you know that makes a lot of sense you know like you become like a peacekeeper who's very diligent about making sure that the peace is in fact kept yes right so there's also an achilles heel feeling for the enneagram Mm. in all of the body centers right so you have body heart mind and then within those for twos threes and fours the sum of the thing that is driving is image how do i Mm -hmm. look to other people how am i being perceived (sighs) yeah wow for optics. <laughs> optics. For five, six, and sevens, it is like, it, it's like, this is like your oil and water feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It's like fear. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And then for eights, nines, and ones, it's anger. So mm-hmm. eights, nines, and ones, like, often have, like, this, like, tiny bubbling bit of rage that yeah. just sort of lives under the surface. Um, and I, like, very much know where mine is. It lives, like, right in the heart of my rib cage, like right in my solar plexus. Mm. Um, I, I get that too though, because like my wing is one. Right. So, so you're I winging into that. the body center. And yeah. my rate, like the backs of my arms and get it just prickly. gets like, and you just like, you're like, you can feel like the Hulk like coming yeah. up out of you and you can't stop it. Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah. That yeah. happens too. 
So we've like both now been um, on on red here. So let's get the type three, which is the achiever or the performer. Oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, and your basic fear is of being worthless. Oh yeah. And your highest motivation or your highest truth is to feel ba- valuable and worthwhile. Yes. So um, when I first read about Enneagram and it said something about like, oh, is is uh, cons- consistently seeking external validation. I was like, no, I don't. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And then I sat with it for like two minutes and I was like, oh, oh that's me. Oh, that's no. how I feel. And you just like, so you wing, you are in the like very middle of the heart center, but you mm-hmm. also wing into the heart center. Yeah. Whereas Jesse is in the heart center, but wings into the body center. And I'm in the body center, center of the body. Right. And I wing into the body. So like, I'm like, <sighs> feelings and thoughts. But if you can get me moving, right. I like I am more clear about actually what I think and feel. That's so interesting. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like get in yoga and I'll like s- just stand at the top of my mat. And I'm like, <gasps> my emotions. <laughs> They're here. <laughs> it takes that movement. Yes. It does. It yeah. really does. That makes a lot of sense because I relate to both, both. Like I, I, you know, danced my whole life and, you know, learned to process emotion through physical movement and it made sense for me. Mm -hmm. But then like my two, and I don't know what the two typically does to process emotion, but I sit and I warm beverage and I blanket and I think and I feel and I write (laughs) and I... I just process. I just have to sit with them, the feelings. Yeah. The essence of the two, like the essence of the heart center is Mm going to be Mm self-reflection, is going to be integration, inner guidance. Mm. So like warm blanket, cozy beverage. Podcast and therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. Light a candle, like this sort of like, I'm going to do my own like sort of, I have to be the one that dives in. Yeah. Yeah. Integrating into that four. Right. Which I think is interesting because I think that's what, in good relationships that I've seen, both romantic, friendship, familial, even whatever, there's a certain amount of balance of like, oh, we might have differences in X, Y, and Z ways, but we also strengthen each other in a way. So I think like, for instance, like I am very quick to isolate myself in times of stress and like not talk to anybody. And like, whereas you are so like a people person. And so like, I know you're an introvert technically, but like you, you, I, I call Jesse the border colleague cause she's always like rounding up the people and trying to get them all in one room and all hanging out. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you help balance me in that way. But then for me, since I'm like such a feeler and such a like, Oh, I'm an artist and wing four and whatever. I feel like I sometimes give you the space to like feel your feelings and not feel like you have to be a caretaker so you can have that time for yourself as well. Like it's a good mm-hmm. balance. Yeah. And like while well, you tend to isolate, sometimes I tend to gather. Yeah, yeah. You know. And we kind of find a middle ground where right. it's like, hey, we can be alone and process our feelings, but also we can see humans. Yes. Love. See, we are talking about love. We're on topic. <laughs> love. Love. <laughs> True. 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 Love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Not like appropriate use of that joke. Absolutely. Oh, Yeah. That will not be the last time we're going to use it. I feel it in my bones. No. Rules of three. It's going to come back at least It's going to come back again. At least. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the Enneagram for the people who don't know. It is. um, If you're interested in picking up a book on the Enneagram, I would recommend. Hold on one second. We're going to link all this in the the description as well. Beautiful. Um, There are some who will say that, like, Richard Rohr, the Enneagram, a Christian perspective, is, like, the way to go. And I'm like, that's fine. Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson are sort of like the modern day mm, sort yes. of curators of like Enneagram things. Okay. And their book is also fine. The one that I like the best 
is um, The Modern Enneagram, uh, which is authored by Melanie Bell and Casey Berghoff. I'm sure I'm not saying Casey's last name correctly. So my if you're listening, we apologize. Apologies. Um, so, but it is it is very good. There's also a great book that I am not remembering right now on um, the Enneagram and like Sufi mysticism. It's written by um, a, I believe, a Sufi woman with a PhD and is incredible. And I am I will see if I can find it when I get home. Amazing. We'll link in the description. All the things will be linked. All things. Forever and always. I like to read reimaginings of the Enneagram, particularly written by women and people of color, mm-hmm. because I think that uh, people who are situated more marginally in society have a better understanding of how personalities function. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. There's no research to back that up that I'm aware of. <laughs> I can't... Actually, what you are hitting on is something I'm going to hit on with my least favorite things about the holidays. Oh, yeah. What are your least... Well, hold on. interesting. Before, we'll get there, we talk but... about the least favorite things about the holidays, <laughs> I want to know, now that we are... I mean, like, we are rounding the final base, if I might use a baseball metaphor. Yeah. We are rounding the final base. Like, come in... We're going to slide right over home plate into Christmas here shortly. But this week's theme is love. So, like, when you think about Advent, Christmas time... We sort of smush the two together outside of the church, so we'll just like smush them together because we're people who exist outside of the church. Yeah. Um, what's like? It is not the holidays until this happens. Are, are you looking? Are you looking? No, I, I I look at you and I just hear Rankin Bass movies playing in the background. Um, yes. But I'm not going to answer the question for you. I just it's it's. My joke answer is it's not Christmas until Matthew's hounding me to watch Rankin Bass films. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that is. Rankin Bass is like, the, they're the stop motion. Arthur Rankin and uh, Jules Bass, I think was his name. Uh, and they're, they are, um, you're with, with uh, Santa Claus, they are... Um, the Rudolph movie. You put one foot in front of the other. Like that uh, whole thing you were just saying. Yeah, they made that. Yeah, they made yeah, Rudolph. Yeah. They made... Did they do um, the I'm Mr. Snow? They sure yes. did. All of, yeah, yeah, yeah. every, like, like amazing awful stop motion christmas special from the 60s was rankin bass that really honestly when you try and break down the plots of they sound they're, they're like a fever dream like i haven't seen as many as matthew has he's like seen the whole canon but I, like i've sought them out he'll explain them to me and i'm like why we, would i watch we had that a long film? car ride where crazy. so <laughs> i'm so glad i'm getting to bring this up on a podcast um there's the movie have you seen rudolph's shiny new year no i have not Oh my gosh. I'm not going to... It'll be an entire podcast in and of itself. I'm trying to explain it. But it is a fever dream. They, they, Because, they, you know, Rankin Bass did Christmas and they're great at Christmas. Rudolph is great. But then they started trying to expand to like other holidays. And right. so they made a New Year's movie starring Rudolph. Right. Because he was already created out of clay. He sure was. Might as well use... They, he's sitting he, around in a closet. He was in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the whole in thing... In every movie, iteration... Absolutely. All of his, <laughs> all of his little eyeballs all lined up in a thing. <laughs> God, I wish we could show just what poses he was doing. Rudolph. Yes, right. shells of Rudolph. Um, but basically the plot is that like a giant vulture kidnaps the baby New Year. Like I guess like the, the embodiment of the New Year is a small baby who oh, has big ears. Basically, let's yeah, go with that. Okay. Um, and it's kidnapped. And so therefore the New Year can't come. And so then Rudolph has to go to the archipelago of time. And it's like every island is a different time period. So he like teams up with like a caveman and Ben Franklin and I think maybe a small dragon and like a a knight with a beard. Like it's it's a fever dream. It's a terrible movie. I love it so much. It's insane. 
Um, so yeah. yeah, any anything Rankin Bass, just old movies in general. I just think there's something about the sound of old movies that, and like the gritty, snappily sound of the audio. That's not mm. a word. Snappily. So I was kidding, but is that your answer? Like I would I would say that Christmas is movies? I'd say that is probably the biggest one. It's also not... just Charlie Brown Christmas soundtracks. It's the best album of all time for Christmas. Wow, I would disagree with you. But I would really? do. Really, you don't like Charlie Brown Christmas album? Well, there's just one specific song that I can't really handle. <laughs> In context of the film, it's cute, but it's the like all of the kids atonally singing together, and they sound terrible. Like, and I'm a voice teacher. There's only so much I can take. Yeah, you know what thing. I mean? Like, it. Yeah, there. There's yeah. just so much better. There, there's better music out there. Nat King Cole. I mean, Nat King Cole King has Cole his place, good. but like, ooh, a nice like jazzy, you know, Vince Guaraldi playing O Tannenbaum. Like, I just, ooh, it just hits different. That's fair. Me. No, the piano, Charlie Brown Christmas album piano stuff is is nice. Yes. That's I, your skip I track. Is have the, an appreciation for it when the children start singing. That's when Jesse calls it quits. That's, that's when I call it quits. Yes. It reminds me of my job. I love my children that I teach <laughs> voice too, but I yeah, that's when yeah. I call it quits. Um, I think mine would be lights, just mm. lights in general. But like specifically, the imagery that comes to mind is is candles, mm. and you know, like even uh, candles like were so integrated. And, you know, growing up in a religious household as well, like obviously, like you know, we had. A, advent wreath in the middle of the table we'd light them before every mm-hmm. meal right. adding another one each week tree? we did not mm. do what's that jesse tree jesse tree so it's the um the idea of i believe it comes out of isaiah but i just have a seminary degree it's fine <laughs> um but it's like out of the root of jesse mm-hmm. will like essentially come the savior and so it's like these it's the 25 days of December, but you have sort of a different imagery from the Bible every day. Um, And you, some people like make it as like an actual tree. We listen as Christians over the centuries, we have worked really hard to co-opt some pagan symbols. Oh yes. Like we have, we've really worked very diligently. Yes. Yeah. So like rather than a Yule tree, (laughs) Or a Yule log, we made it a Jesse tree. Like, you know. Which is fascinating because yeah. I, I think, funnily enough, that's kind of some of the stuff that I gravitated towards the most as a kid, was I really liked that, like, very, like, naturey, solstice Like, I think, I don't know, I think there's something very magical about, like, the naturey side of Christmas. Even right. though, like, yeah. I grew up in North Carolina where we didn't really have, like, white Christmases or anything. Like, it wasn't. I mean, like, more likely to have a white Christmas than we are here. That is true. That I mean, is I have you true. beat. I grew up in Houston. Uh, that so. is even better, yeah. I don't know. These days, though. These days. Texas, <laughs> these days knock Texas on wood. is getting cold. Texas is having a fun time in the winter now, but yeah. hell is freezing over down in Texas. <laughs> sure is. True. But yeah, I think definitely lights that's a good for answer, me. Yeah. And whether that's candles, I mean, specifically candles, for sure. But yeah, the mm. lighting changes. I oh told Matthew God. we were driving the other night and we were going to a friend's house for like a Christmas get together and I was like even the lights on the cars like we're sitting in Atlanta traffic the lights are always red on right. the cars but for some reason mixed with the cold mixed with the Christmas music we were listening to just feels holiday it, feels it felt festive yeah. yeah I'm into that yeah I'm into that I, I dove down a rabbit hole of Jesse tree things and oh good, good. wow yeah I, I really for a second when you were talking about that I thought you were saying like 
Like, is it a tradition to, like, name a tree after your child and be like, here's the Matthew tree? Like, I was like, I don't know. I didn't think we were quite so Oh, no, narcissistic. yeah, because your name is Jesse, and I asked you if you did Jesse Tree Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was no, very no, confused. No, no I knew what you thing. meant, actually, yeah. but, yeah, no. Oh, see, I'm, a, I'm the bad Catholic who didn't pay attention. Oh, I you're guess. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I don't, like, didn't know, like, a ton of Catholic people growing up, so I yeah. can't really speak. But um, it was more like the evangelicals and the Baptists that I knew that right. had, like, the Jesse trees. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't know of many Catholics that I knew. That's not to say that there aren't any, but, I, yeah, I I knew what it was. Like, I know what the Jesse tree is, right. what it symbolizes, right. but right. I... That's interesting, because I, I feel like I was. I didn't mean to, because I didn't go to, like, Catholic school or something, but I feel like the people that I knew that were religious were almost exclusively Catholic. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. that I talked to a lot. Once I got out of FCA, because I did FCA in like middle school. And Didn't we I, all do FCA in middle school? And then we were like, oh, this is bad for us. Yeah, because I did the pizza and the cookies and the juice. And then some like... Are you talking about Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Fe- Fellowship of Christian Athletes, yes. For viewers, not viewers, listeners at home. I, I did do that. And it was always that thing where we get in like a high school gym somewhere and then like, you know, a college football player would come by and be like, oh, I saw Jesus in a field. And that's uh, why When they say Christian athletes, do they mean like you're athletic in your pursuit of Christianity? No, it used to be for athletes. It used to be for athletes, but then like they kept the acronym but opened it up to everyone. Yeah. That's what always confused me. I never knew. Like how okay. the YMCA used to be like, you know, young Men, right. Something or other. Where were we? Um, <laughs> we were talking about when is it Christmas? When? Right. So when? lights for you. Yeah. Have we reached uh, stop motion films for yes. Matthew? 100%. I was actually never familiar with any of those stop motion films, um, but Lauren has introduced me to like all of them. So. Mm. They're so good. And all of the Muppet movies, because I wasn't really a Muppet kid. Ooh, Muppets are good. Muppets. Yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol. I think Carol. I've seen Muppet Christmas Carol once. I need you to watch it again, and okay. I need you to pay attention to the, uh, I believe it is the opening song that everyone sings about um, Scrooge being mean. Okay. And they have so <laughs> very many different ways of saying that he is crotchety. Yes. And... <laughs> just roasting Michael Caine just for everything Just over and over and over again for being wealthy and stingy and therefore mean. Um, it's fair. I'm excited. But they talk about, um, like, I don't remember what characters say anything around this, but the they're talking about how, like, there's no, like, crusty loaf of bread for the homeless. <laughs> and then, like, the next thing is, like, there's, like, all of these little mice, like, in a little hole in the wall. And they're like, no cheeses for us, Mises. And it's, like, my favorite part of the entire film. And it happens in, like, the first ten minutes. That's awesome. So by minute 11, you're like, I'm good. I've seen right. what I yeah, seen. I'm like, listen, yeah, I've yeah. seen all I needed to see. I'm good. I also mm-hmm. like when uh, Rizzo the Rat and uh, Gonzo, who's mm-hmm. playing Charles Dickens in the film. Charlie, okay. if you will. That Gonzo picks up Rizzo and uses him to um, wipe frost off of a window. And Rizzo goes, thank you for making me a part of this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. And it's just so very good. That's lovely. Uh, yeah, I'll watch we'll it. We'll add that to the list. We'll add that to the list. For the next however many We have days. four days. <laughs> yes. I, I, I carry that through New Year, though. I oh, do. yes. Well, you have, until the 6th of January, technically speaking, we are still in Christmas tide. I was so. just telling someone the yeah. other day that my mom was very... Mom, if you're listening, I'm calling you out. Uh, she's very adamant about keeping like our decorations up until at least the 6th. Mm. And she's like, oh, it's not even Epiphany yet, which... 
in hindsight, I feel like it was probably just, I don't want to, it's Christmas and I'm exhausted and I just wrapped a billion presents and I don't want to take down the decorations. But she was able to back it up liturgically. So, hey. Go mom. Yeah, yeah, go mom. There we go. So what about when we are like talking about things that feel like Christmas? I feel like those sort of bleed into the things that we love the most about the season. Mm -hmm. But in addition to the lights, the the movies, like what are like your favorite things about the season? Things that you really love? I, okay, so going back to our discussion of me being heart center and all about people. Yeah. It is people not being able to say, I can't spend time with like my thing. Now, listen, I'm also all about boundaries. So I'm like, draw your boundary. But I do like the fact that there's no longer work in the picture. There's no longer all these external things that pull our attention and cause people to feel that they need to draw boundaries Right. Um, in the picture. People across the board get this time of like, oh, but it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Don't respond to your email. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it, it's this time when people can actually put aside things and make time for people. My love language is quality time. So for me, that's really important. I love that. I love that about Christmas. There's a flip of that coin, which we'll get to, but yeah. <laughs> but I love that about Christmas that people can spend time together and not feel all these external pressures because for some reason, everybody's on the same page about Christmas. They're I, just like, yeah, don't touch it. That's a good point. And as much as it's, you know, I actually feel like mine is similar because as much as it's kind of weird that we're like <laughs> not a Christian nation, but we kind of have become a Christian nation, but we still aren't, but we are kind of thing. Right. I think that there's something good that Christmas, whether you celebrate it religiously, secularly, just seasonally, whatever, that it is like, I mean, for lack of a better term, I feel like it is held sacred. Like I think like, and especially <laughs> how long can we go on a podcast without talking about capitalism, but especially in a, like a capitalistic society where you right. are expected to be available and you are expected to like work some weekends and work, you know, at 8 PM sometimes and whatever. Like I think the fact that there is, and there are still people who do obviously have to work on Christmas Eve or Christmas day, but in a lot of workplaces where that's not a hundred percent necessary, there is this grace of like, no, go be with family. No, go, go take time off. Like go mm-hmm. relax. Like, right. Everyone recognizes – it's funny because I feel like it's the one time a year when people recognize that time with family and time off is essential right. in a way. And I think – I wish we had more of that year-round, but I'm glad that we at least have it here. Also, before we go any further, I just want to put this out there. All of these experiences are coming from my very privileged view of Christmas. Yes. Where you don't have to Period. Work. Yes, right. yes, 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 yes. Where – Somebody in the family didn't have to work to right. make sure that we were housed or fed or, right. you know, like right. all of these opinions and all of these, right. like my favorite part, my least favorite part are coming from a privileged mindset. Yeah. College so. educated, white collar, suburban yeah. lives. Right. Yeah. So just want to throw that's that out fair. there that's before we go any further. I think it's super important. And I also think that like, you know, one of the, I think one of the, the benefits uh, around the Christmas holidays too is that Christmas is not the only major holiday that is happening around mm-hmm. this time. Um, you know, Hanukkah is very early this year, but like next year, mm-hmm. Hanukkah starts like, I think the, either the day of or the day after Christmas. Oh, so wow. like Hanukkah, you know, moves around, but like is sort of in this wintry time Solstice is always on the 21st of December for people right. who are celebrating Solstice. Kwanzaa this year starts the day after Christmas and runs through the new year. Like, there are other major holidays, be they sort of, like, 
religiously tied or spiritual in some mm-hmm. way. And I also think that like in that way, I sort of have like a cozy remembrance of like almost everyone is having some sort of like moment of gratitude or mm-hmm. exchanging of gifts or time or what have you. Right. And yeah, like that does still like we always want to be mindful to remember our points of privilege the fact that like we have homes to invite other people into mm-hmm. and all of these sorts of things um you know and also we've talked on the podcast before that it's also like sort of a weird thing to work in church because we are still working on the 24th of december where right. a lot of people right. are like we close at 5 p.m on christmas eve and we won't see you again mm-hmm. until the 26th mm-hmm. right so yeah that was hard to reckon with this year for sure because mm-hmm. this is the first year that you know one of us has had a job that's required work on Christmas Eve. And, and, you know, we realized, like, we don't have family in town. It's literally just us. And all of our friends were like, we're leaving, you know? like So we were kind of like, I don't know, we were just sad for a little bit. There was, like, a grieving process. Like, wow, like, this Christmas isn't going to look like the togetherness Christmas that we're used to or that we had envisioned. Right. Um, but, you know, you reframe it for sure. And you're like, right. oh, you know, and that's another thing. Like Christmas is about being, feeling togetherness, whether that's with 10 people or right. your fiance. So that's been a journey for us. Right. Like being like, okay, what does Christmas actually mean to us? You know, I right. think it's different this year for me than it was any year in the past. Like yeah. this year specifically. And especially with like, quarantine and COVID and and just all the things. I feel like life in general, you have to sort of do this reframing of like, what does life yeah. <laughs> actually mean to me? So in this case, what does what do the holidays actually mean? And I will also say too, like this year is a very particular year because Christmas is on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of folks who maybe work nine to fives who are getting Friday or Monday off. And so it's like a long weekend. Whereas like when Christmas is on a Tuesday, it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> right. Um, because just, like, depending on, like, what your work schedule is or, like, what the expectations are. Right. You're, you know, potentially back in the office the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It'll be extra spicy next year because Christmas is on Sunday. Oh. Yes. Christmas is on Sunday, which means that we will be here on Saturday and then we will be here again on Christmas. Amazing. But I think that you touched on something really important there, Jesse, which is that... COVID sort of has changed a lot of things about these, like, times that we're living mm-hmm. in. And so, like, what's something that you feel like is particularly hard about this season? Maybe, like, COVID aside, because I feel like we could go on and on and on about how COVID sure. has been hard and COVID is hard. Yeah. And, like, now this week, sort of the rearing of the ugly head of Omicron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Particularly for our friends who live in New York. Oh, gosh. It feels yes. like the zombie apocalypse up there. It does, yeah. But, like, yeah, what are the things that are hard about the season? Mm. Okay, so this is what I was mentioning earlier, the flip side mm-hmm. of the coin of me being like, people are going to hang out and we're going to spend time together. The flip of that is obligation. Right, and expectation. Mm-hmm. And ex- Yes, that's a much better word for it. Expectation. You know, everybody has a different expectation of what their holiday yes, looks like, yes. is like. Looks it's, like. it's very personal. Very personal. And therefore, <laughs> drawing boundaries creating space for your holiday can easily step on the toe of somebody else. So it's kind of like, it's frustrating because we live in this society where there is an expectation to play nice, if that makes sense. For sure. And, and it's Christmas. Make an exception. But, like right. I mean, the amount of times I've heard 
it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. In response to my feelings, Ooh, yeah, is I'm just gonna say unacceptable. That's yeah. the word I'm gonna use. We like a strong feeling here on the podcast. Is it, I, yeah, that's Stick a hot that take flag, here. Yeah. The amount of times that a feeling of my own or somebody else's has been dismissed by, but it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. You can easily flip flop that, or you know, switch that out and say, get over yourself. Yeah, that's the implication, right? right. I also think that there are, I think that selfishness is really the core of that because Mm -hmm. if I'm going to celebrate a holiday that's like about togetherness and unity and peace and love and joy and hope and like all of these beautiful things, and then I am the cause of other people's like strifes and anxieties because they're doing something to make me happy, like doesn't actually feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it feels better when everyone is present of their own free will. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And desire, and also there because they like are truly interested and want to be present. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it just feel better when like everybody in the room is like, "I chose to be here." Yes. Yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. Well, it's funny too because I think what's tricky about Christmas, we literally had this conversation yesterday. Is what's what's comforting about Christmas is that there are these consistent things. Like, I'm going to return to my movies and my albums and my Frank Sinatra, which is another great Christmas sound. True. Um, and all those kind of fun things. But I think also sometimes there's this thing of, like, it's kind of like when someone forces you to be happy. Like, to force myself to feel the Christmas spirit right. can be sometimes very, like, uplifting, where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a choose to have a good time. But other times it's kind of like try, like someone telling you to smile while you're crying. Like, it just becomes extra depressing. Oh. Right. Where it's like, oh, now I'm having to force this Christmas spirit out, and I'm hearing, you know, Nat King Cole, and now it sounds sad, and now, you know what I mean? Like, and last night we decorated, finally got around to decorating our Christmas tree, and it's funny because we were both, like, in some ways Christmassed out, and so we literally made Penny Alla Vodka and watched Twilight, because there's <laughs> only, it's only, what, three weeks left of Twilight on Netflix, and yeah. we're like, we gotta get it, get our watch in now, which is, like, not a Christmas. That's not a Christmas meal. No. We had red wines. It wasn't even like we were drinking eggnog. And we watched Twilight. And none of those are Christmassy we... things. But at least for me, it felt like it created that idea of a Christmas spirit because we were together and there were the lights and we were, you know, we were hanging our ornaments and we were looking back at old memories. And it was just like, it was interesting how we had to reject the things that were very typically Christmas to be able to actually have that feeling. Yeah, I almost didn't. And, and again, like we've had a very drawn out Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had like a couple different Christmas celebrations, more than a couple at this point um, with different groups of family and stuff like that. Right. So it kind of Friends is like, is this still happening? Like is Christmas still <laughs> happening in yeah. six days? And we've been so busy. We haven't even decorated our tree. So here we are six days from Christmas, like decorating our tree. But the only way that I would get off the couch is if I watch twilight like i mean i didn't want to force that like we have to turn on rankin bass or whatever like i I wasn't in the mood i was like throw on the sounds of robert pattinson saying grunting yeah yeah (laughs) the grunting of robert pattinson say what i am you know like to 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 do that i don't know it was it was a weird moment i will also say along with that expectation thing i think there are a couple phrases i've been thinking about this recently Mm -hmm. there's a couple phrases that I would like to ban from the household during Ooh, Christmas. Yes. Oh, let's get this list. Yeah. So here's the list. This is very much in the line of what I dislike about the holidays. Amazing. These are the phrases. 
Don't cry. It's Christmas. Ooh. That's one. Mm. I ate more of blank than I should have. Ooh. That's two. Right. Why didn't you blank in relation to, well, why didn't you bring a gift for so-and-so? Why didn't you hug Uncle Stu? Why didn't you right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Nobody's behaviors should be questioned on a day that's supposed to be about healing and about being together as we are. You know, like right. a, yeah. coming back to love too. It's funny that like a holiday that's so focused on love becomes, like you said, a very selfish thing. Right. It yeah. can right. in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Because I think yeah. there's like, there is an upholding of like, Christmas feeling or Christmas tradition that I think sometimes outstays its welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that we have to hold our traditions sort of loosely in, like, what. so I am not a Wesleyan theologian. Like, I am not a United Methodist person. I work at a United Methodist church, but I'm not United Methodist by, like, sort of theological bend. Mm-hmm. But there are some really beautiful things about the United Methodist church, particularly about John Wesley. And one of them is that John Wesley had these sort of three simple rules. The first is do no harm. Mm. The second is do good. And the third is stay in love with God. Mm. And I think that, like, the, those three simple rules, like, I love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things about the United Methodist Church I don't love. But, like, I can get down with some three simple it's rules. very powerful, yeah. yeah. Especially because the first rule, like, the fundamental rule through which all other things must pass is do no harm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's not stay in love with God or even do good. It is the do no harm. The first one is do no harm. The yeah, first one is do no harm. powerful. And I think that when we hold on to our traditions so tightly to the point that we are willing to forsake our safety or our comfort or the safety or comfort of others, that we have lost sight of the purpose of tradition. Mm. Mm. And wow, yeah. I think that the purpose of tradition is to sort of draw us back again and again and again and again to a love of ourselves, a love of our families, a love of community, a love of God. That's sort of, it's it's ritual. It's meant right. to sort of like re-center. When it no longer does that, it is time to let it go. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that can be really hard and must be very intentionally done. Yeah. In order to, if you care to preserve the players in the game. It's interesting because I, it actually links with my heart because I thought of this a couple of days ago because um, I haven't looked at the questions for a while, but um I think my hard thing is that I think sometimes, even if you have dispelled the myth of like, oh, Christmas is about presents, because I think we have seen enough, you know, movies that are like, don't be capitalist or whatever. Right. Um, But I think that there's still sometimes this idea of like the currency of love being thrown around at Christmas. And that like, I mean, I have a massive amount of anxiety about am I showing enough love with Mm. what I'm doing, with showing up to traditions, with creating new traditions. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I had a stress with us having our first Christmas alone where I was like, this is the year we have to make a new tradition. Like we have to like find something and then we're going to do it for 15 years. And that's how I'm going to show love to my partner. And in our relationship is this thing. And like even relating this morning. So we had our, our here at St. Mark, we had our like staff Christmas exchange and whatever. And I was so anxious. Not that I thought I had to get some big grandiose expensive present for my person, but I was like, I want them to feel loved and feel known because right. I think that being known is an essential piece of being loved Right. because that's what this season for me is about is, is the free exchange of love. But again, love can sometimes be used as currency where like, Oh, you know, 
you don't show up to this thing, you don't do this dinner, you don't do this tradition, that means you must not love me right. as much as you did last year or whatever. Well, and we all bring our own wounds to the season. Right. Too, right? Like, and that that's where those expectations, I feel like, come from. Because some people's wounds are like, well healed mm-hmm. by consistency, right? By like right. knowing that those things are going to be there. Those right. people are going to be there. The You know. Right. Well, and then you're operating out of your scars and not your wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I think that that is critical. Because mm-hmm. I think that like we're, we are not ever, because we are people and we are like literally practicing our humanity. Like, <laughs> all the time. All the time. Like there is never a point in which a wound ceases to exist in totality Mm. but if we do the work then like eventually we come to the point where we're like operating out of that like scar where it is like this has like healed over it Mm. is i am no longer like just like basking in like the flesh of my own hurt Mm -hmm. and like now i am i like threw some neosporin on that and um i know how to treat myself Mm -hmm. you know yeah so as not to get a flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. might very well feel like some people's family traditions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing. is that it, it is a, a time of... <laughs> everything comes out during Christmas. And right. that means that, like, new relationships can happen, new friendships, new... Like, those good things, but it also means a bad thing. Like, it, it can cement relationships, but I also then know that, like, on the flip side, you know, Christmas is a time of grief for a lot of people, where right. the love that I had for, oh, this relative who's no longer in our life, or who passed away, or whatever, like, that is a very hard layer of it. And so right. it is... I, I Again, I think this is a really topical week, because I think that Christmas is so much about giving love, receiving love, you know, creating physical manifestations of that love with the people you love. Um, but with that love comes a certain amount of pain, I feel like, as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because I think sometimes when we are loving ourselves or loving other people, like, there is a, like, something is something else is not happening. Yeah. Right? So, like, that is also the hard part about, I think, the buildup of the season, where it's, like, literally we could choose to like gather the people that we love together at any point of the year to do food, drinks, yeah. <laughs> presents if we felt so inclined. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when people do Friendsgiving, right. like at a random time of the year. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and I think that, but I think that there is sort of this like, when you build up like this one day mm-hmm. or this one week or this one experience, then it's like, what happens if you like, have kids and you get a divorce and now you don't Mm -hmm. have your kids on Christmas or like you used to do this grand tradition with a parent and now the parent is no longer with us or like you know like there's all of these we like set ourselves up for this for these failures yes yeah (laughs) yes yeah yeah so um I do think in that way it's like it is really hard or I hate this tradition so much and yet I do it every year yeah. because it's the thing that I'm supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I mean, how many Christmas movies have we watched where the like protagonist, you know, they bring their significant other home and they're like, I roll, we do this every year, I just get through it, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then like the whole plot is actually a little gaslighty, to be honest, yeah. because it's like <laughs> their amazing character growth has to do with the fact that they were being a Grinch. Because right. they didn't like this specific tradition or right. whatever. 
my favorite if we're just gonna like talk about holiday movie trips for like just a minute yeah, like, let me just yeah. like take this and run my favorite please read the sarcasm my favorite holiday movie trope is successful businesswoman <gasps> goes home for the holidays to her small town yes. finds a man yeah. oh discovers the thing that she's really been missing is small town living with a boyfriend oh end of movie Oh, it hurts. Yeah. I'm like, why can't we normalize women being successful and fulfilled? And maybe by themselves. Like, yeah. Also, the fact that a busy woman yeah. equals selfish. Right. Period. Like, that's, like, the underlying or, message there. Yeah. Or, or, like, cold-hearted or not seasonal or, like, not jolly or, like, whatever sort of, like, verbs and adverbs and adjectives we want to sort of attach to her. Like, she wears stilettos and right. is a VP in her office. It's the and red coat. It's, it's the red coat in every Hallmark movie. Right. And yeah. therefore she is a Grinch or she yeah. is not seasonal or she is not happy or what have you. And what it's, she really needs is a dose of Christmas cheer in the form of a boyfriend in an Argyle sweater. It's, it is the demonization of the successful red coat woman. Yes. Also, when you say red coat, I think of like, is she like British? Is she like <laughs> no, storm? No, red coat wearing woman <laughs> yes, in stilettos. Why? Like, yeah, yeah, you're so well, right. And I'll, and I'll throw this in there as well. I've had a lot of conversations with people and like seen a lot of discourse online of like, you know, why? Because I love, I love Halloween, but like, why has Halloween become the very millennial, very queer holiday? Right. Like, why have they claimed that? But like, Christmas is like kind of over here, and I feel like it is that where. People do not often validate the experience of Christmas as, like, one or two people in a new city, in a high-rise, in a studio. Like, Christmas is only, not only, but very largely praised for being large family units, for being a little more rural or maybe suburban, and being very class. I mean, there's a reason all the, you know, music we listen to is from, like, the 40s and 50s. Like, I feel like it's hard sometimes because there's this kind of conservative Norman Rockwell expectation of Christmas. Right. And so trying to reinvent that when you don't have, I mean, like we've even talked about, you know, we live in a two bedroom apartment that's lovely in Atlanta, but you know, we don't have a dining room. And so it's like, how can you not have Christmas without a dining? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's hard like, to divorce from that image, that Christmas right. vacation idea. The of table like, setting. And like, yeah. the, you know, if yeah, there's not six hard. plus people in the room, then you're doing it wrong kind of thing. Right. Well, and I think some of that is that like, there are no familial expectations for ho- for holidays like Halloween. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's whatever not, you want it to it's be. It's whatever you want it to be. And also like, you can go to a party on Halloween or you can stay home or you can like sit with your bowl of candy by the door and eagerly wait for the three trick or treaters that might <laughs> right. show up. <laughs> Right. Maybe it was me. And eat 75% um, of the bowl as you're waiting for them. Right. Yes. yes. Uh, the trick for me is that I just buy candy that has gluten in it, and then I can't eat it. So oh, there you go. Mm. Then all the sugar stays wrapped up. Yeah. There you go. That's a good thing. But and then the youth just end up with it. It's fine. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I think that that is, like, I think that so much of our our sort of Christmas thing, like, is a return to something, but some mm-hmm. things should not be returned to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, how how many of the, like, holiday movies that I love start with, like, somebody driving from wherever they have, like, established themselves Mm -hmm. back home. Yeah. Yeah. Or flying home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or staying home while everyone else leaves. As is the instance of Home Alone, which is one of my favorite holiday movies. Great great movie. (laughs) Yes. Nothing says the holidays like a little bit of robbery. (laughs) 
That's fair. <laughs> and Joe That's Pesci. fair. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There, we John found Kennedy. our tradition. There we go. We found our, our tradition we can start this Some year light robbery? For our first Christmas together. Yeah, just some indulging in some light robbery. <laughs> Any authorities who are listening to this, we are not engaging in light robbery. This podcast <laughs> is satire. Perfectly a joke. <laughs> or like, you know, some like premeditated kidnapping or whatever. Yeah. yeah the right? fun stuff. Yeah. The fun stuff. Yeah, 100%. I know a lot of our friends who will be out of town. Perfect. They have nice we'll stuff. just go burgle their house. That's that's our actual yeah. wedding registry is just burgling our friends as they're away in the Midwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep, perfect. and then we'll say we got all of it from our registry. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. perfect. I love this. Well, I think we're sort of nearing the end of our of our time together here. So the last question that I have, we've talked a lot about like expectations and a lot about tradition and all sorts of things like that. And I think that the purpose of tradition is meant to make us sort of like feel loved, seen, remembered, what have you. Um, sometimes that's not always the case. But then per- the purpose and the name of this podcast is Less Lonely, More Loved. So for the purpose of our podcast, what is something around this time of year that makes you feel less lonely and more loved? I think just for me, what I have, and it's been a struggle, but I think what has helped me and what I've had to remind myself of is that there is something in the no man's land between like, you know, the Norman Rockwell Christmas as a kid and the one when you have like children and spouses and what, and dogs and whatever. Um, and I think seeing my other, we're, I'm 25, um, and seeing my other fellow 20 somethings, um, especially in COVID world who are like, yeah, I got like a studio apartment and a plant and, um, I don't know, like I don't have money for gifts and stuff, but like, let's go get food kind of thing. Like, I think there's a great comfort in, um, the freedom of realizing that you can make Christmas what it is for yourself. Like, again, I keep, I keep coming back to, like, you know, penne. Or actually, it wasn't even, by the way, it wasn't even penne a la vodka. We didn't have penne, so it was technically cavatappe a la vodka because we just <laughs> had the corkscrew noodles. Um, but that, like, you can make Christmas twilight and noodles, and that is just as much of a Christmas as, you know, a gigantic ham in the middle of the, of the table. Um, and Surrounded by ten people. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I'd say I, that makes me feel less lonely, more loved, the fact that it's normal and the fact that it's okay and the fact that there are probably many other 20-somethings and 30-somethings who are out there experiencing similar things. And I hope that that makes those 20 and 30-somethings feel comforted as well, that it's not – we're not freaks of nature. We're just in, you know, an in-between period. So that's, that's mine, I guess. This one's a hard one. Um, but what my brain keeps coming back to is – Sitting with the fact that a holiday spent with me is a holiday that is enough. Mm. Don't know if that makes sense. But like basically my brain during this time is very entrenched in am I living up to the expectations of the people around me? Like is their perception, which comes back to like (laughs) my Enneagram type and, (laughs) you know, being worried about what other people think. But like... Am I living up to other people's expectations? And then having to remind myself, you showing up and being available to the people you love. If those Mm -hmm. people matter, if you matter to them, Mm -hmm. if they are someone who is important in your life and will continue to be in your life, you showing up and spending that day or spending that time with that person is enough. It's not about, did I go to Macy's and pick out the perfect thing it's not about, did I make a giant spiral ham and put it on the middle of a table? Right. And, 
you know, like it's weird. I felt like active shame around not having a dining room table, mm-hmm. which how like bizarre is that? You know, well, there's so many things that are meant to induce shame. It's how we um, keep capitalism at the center of our society. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. No, it's like it's like this very active shame of like. We're home for the holidays this year. That was part of the hard thing for me. We're home for the mm-hmm. holidays this year, and I can't provide the holiday, the Norman Rockwell holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me this year, it's that process right. of I feel less lonely and more loved when I realize, and you reinforce, Matthew, you reinforce often yeah. the fact that the holiday is about being together, period. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. However we want to spend that time, whether it's sitting in front of the TV watching Twilight with red wine, <laughs> or... We really both needed that last night, didn't we? Yeah, we were we both did. lingering on that. We did. It was a bright spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that too, it's like, it's it's working with the people that you love to make sure that everybody has what they need to feel loved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you need? What do you need to feel loved this holiday season? Right. You know, I think that's important. Yeah. And I can do my best to provide that for you, but I cannot be the only person to provide that for you. And, you know, I'm not going to give you everything that you need and want and love at the expense of giving myself that. In the same way that I can't spend $4,000 on a present and then not be able to pay my rent. I think that's beautiful. And I think that what I hear both of you saying is that, like, you are enough. What you have to give is enough. What you have is enough. And I think that, like, that is enough. Yeah. And I think that when we can sort of settle into that idea as if it were a cozy blanket or a warm beverage or a holiday beverage, I think that that can make all of us feel a little less lonely and a little more loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I y'all. That enoughness. Yeah. Well, thank you all very much. This yeah, has been yeah. really good. Yeah, thank we you will, for having us. We will see everyone for our final two episodes of the podcast. Megan and I have an episode coming this Friday. And then we will see you all if you need... Some familiar voices on Christmas Day. We will have a little something for you on Christmas as well. Everybody have a great week. This podcast is a production of the Young Adult Ministry and the Communications Ministry at St. Mark United Methodist Church of Atlanta. The views and opinions expressed here on this podcast are ours and not necessarily those of St. Mark United Methodist Church or its ministries. We operate under an Adobe standard license for all music and sound included on this podcast. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, head to our website at stmarkumc.org. That's stmarkumc.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at stmarkumcatl and on YouTube at stmarkumcatlanta. Episodes of Less Lonely, More Loved will be released every Tuesday and Friday during Advent and will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, or even if you don't, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and comments. Send all emails to mcesari at stmarkumc.org. That's M as in Mary, C-E-S-A-R-I at S-T-M-A-R-K-U-M-C dot org. We hope you will continue to engage with us, either in person or in one of our many virtual spaces. As always, all are welcome.